Welcome to Semantically Imperfect, where we will identify, explore, examine, and navigate a plethora of topics concerning humanity and human development, moral discourse, parenting, and holistic health. I am yours truly, Semantic 7. Peace, love, and blessings in abundance. It's an honor and privilege to be in this space and to share this space with all of you who are listening in. I am so glad and I'm so happy that this is another episode. And I'm so happy and I'm so glad to be able to share my experiences share the knowledge, wisdom, uh, crystallized truth that I have acquired through my journey in this world with all of you. I do not take this for granted. I do not take this for granted. And I express utmost gratitude to everyone who's listening who have listened, who's getting something out of this, who's feeling more compelled to travel to the depths below and acquire more understanding about themselves, their outlook and perspectives, and the world around them. So just to make sure anybody who's listening, who's new to this podcast, Semantically Imperfect is here to champion all things related to mental health issues, concerns, challenges, holistic health, parenting, moral discourse, humanity as a collective human development and we and we root all of this in healthy dialogic discussions and through the art art form of poetry now in order to keep this movement going not going Not going backward, but going forward, one foot after another. And in order for me to continue to provide high quality, ethical and competent content for all of you. Follow this podcast on IG at semantically underscore imperfect I say again follow the podcast on IG as semantically underscore imperfect also I encourage all of you who are listening who want to listen subscribers 
first-time visitors to send an essential question that you would like to be explored, examined, analyzed, and uh, send any general feedback that you have about the podcast. All feedback is welcome. Mostly constructive. That's going to lead to improving the lives of humanity and mankind. And then general inquiries, too. I also welcome those. Whether you want to get to know me, whether you have a question outside the podcast, whether if you want to talk poetry, whether if you just want to have a general conversation or have a general concern about um, any of the topics and subject areas that we cover. And those can be sent to the podcast email, poeticsemantics7 at gmail.com. I say again, the email is poeticsemantics7 at gmail.com. It's monitored 24 hours, so it doesn't matter what, what time zone you're in. If you're on your phone, if you're on your computer, whether you're on your Apple device, I will personally read it and I will personally respond. And then also, submit a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. You know, I, I really want to, I really would love for all of you to disclose your experience with the podcast and its impact on your daily grind to make it make sense. We're trying to get this podcast to become better, become more expansive in its reach, to touch the depths of souls and minds. In order to do that, I'm gonna need the help of all of you. Please share the word. Please show love. And I promise I will reciprocate the love and the respect and the generosity tenfold. So now I know you're wondering what semantics going to talk about today? And I was battling, I was battling between two topics, whether to stay on the natural progression of parenting after talking about compassion focused parenting. And I was going to branch off of that. But then I had this revelation about wanting to touch so many different topics and subject areas that I felt compelled to move on to something else that 
that I felt my conscience drew me to. And uh, that particular topic was something that I, I came to that revelation during my time in the military. And then as time went by, I just refined and polished this particular framework in order to make it beneficial and beneficial for me and tailored to my character uh, capabilities and also just my pursuits in life. So the essential question of the day is, how can an individual shape their behavior, conduct, and emotional intelligence to live in intentional abundance? I'll let you all ponder on that for the next few seconds. How can an individual shape their behavior, conduct, and emotional intelligence to live in intentional abundance? And when I say intentional abundance, I'm talking about in all facets and domains of life, whether that's professionally, whether that's socially, whether that is through romance, whether that's through dating, whether that's through your family system, your family network. Whether if you are a churchgoer and you're in ministry, whether you volunteer for local charities, local community projects, for those individuals and families that are desperate, vulnerable, in need. Whatever your, whatever the domain in life that you feel and believe needs the most attention, or if you're just saying all of it, that's what intentional abundance is all about whatever needs the most attention or just in general everyday life. So today here on Samantha Land Perfect we're going to talk about the agenda has three things that we're going to talk about today. I'm going to introduce this moral and ethical framework I'm going to talk about each pillar and then I want to disclose to you all the my personal application of this moral and ethical framework in my daily life. And don't forget, 
there will be a quote of the day. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna leave you all empty-handed. I'm not gonna leave you all without pouring a little water in your bucket so you can take it back for nourishment. I'm gonna leave you with a quote of the day. And hopefully it inspires, motivates, provides clarity. Um, and just do you and, and, and does you well. All right, party people. Now, this moral and ethical framework that I am talking about is something that I created myself. And I created myself from a bunch of experiences with leadership in the military and through the process of fine-tuning my leadership abilities and refining my leadership style. And so this particular moral and ethical framework that I developed during my time in the military was something that I took from, I went, I, I basically looked at what I was lacking. I looked at some of the positive qualities, strengths and leaders that I was, um, that I've had the chance to, to work with, to talk with. And I also um, kind of just synthesized that and, and try to make it make sense to me and tailor it to what I was missing, what I need, and how I could be more of an asset, not only to myself, but to my family and to the soldiers that I serve. So back in 2015, I was in Wiesbaden, Germany, and I was serving with the military intelligence brigade. And at this time, I'm a sergeant. I'm, a, I'm an E5 in the army. Uh, just had, just had uh, my daughter, our daughter. And so here we are, family of four, a brand new baby living in Germany. I was blessed and privileged to work in a staff position as a sergeant, which is not that typical in that time. Typically, staff positions are billeted for senior non-commissioned officers and officers, those who are commissioned under the, under the President of the United States. And so I was blessed with, with this staff position. 
And I remember that one of our commanders just took command of one of the units and did something that was unprecedented to me at that time. This female officer sent a sent an email to all of the soldier soldiers in her command and wrote out her leadership philosophy. Now mind you, up until this point I have seen leadership philosophies from a myriad of commanders in the army. And typically they were generic, they were passed down from one commander to another. So you always saw, uh, you always witnessed how banal and uninspiring the leadership philosophy was. And in this particular instance, this female officer, uh, a colonel to be exact, she sent a leadership philosophy that I found that was so profound, that was so inspiring and motivational that it made me start looking at how I led others, how I served others. And she called this leadership philosophy uh, C3. It was confidence, compassion, competence. Sorry. Confidence, compassion, and, and confidence. And so after she told us about the compassion, confidence, and competence, the C3 method, I was wondering why I've never seen that before. And I was wondering why it took almost five to six years being in the military to finally witness someone making a tailored leadership philosophy that aligned with their convictions, that aligned with their values, that aligned with their ethics, and aligned with their character. So I went to the drawing board. I asked myself, how can, how can I develop a philosophy, a personal philosophy, that complements my character, the constitution of my character, that complements my values, my beliefs, and is something that is culturally neutral that can benefit a diverse group of people. So during this time, I was reading a lot of Martin Luther King and a lot of Mahatma Gandhi. And I became very 
connected to their moral compass, to their attunement to humanity, humility, and mankind, and their and how anchored they were in their conscience and how they use their conscience to navigate life's difficulties and also the proclivities of life. So I have my whiteboard out. Now I have my dry erase marker and I'm figuring out how I can create something that is universal, impactful, tailored, something that I could be able to adapt wholeheartedly, genuinely, and authentically. After a bunch of trial and error of trying to figure out what my leadership philosophy was at the time, I, I believe it took me a little over 30 days to figure out, to really, really define it and really pinpoint what the pillars were. I finally came up with my philosophy or better yet, the moral and ethical framework. And it's similar to that female officer who was such full of wisdom, full of attunement and sensibility. Um, and at the time, very re revolutionary. And it, it's reflective of that, but it also adds an element of my personal value system in the way that I look at morality and I look at uh, being socially connected and considerate. And so this framework that I developed back in 2015, 2016, that's still with me today, is called the C4E. Conscience, compassion, confidence, competence, and empathy. And now with all of you, I want to take some time out and just talk about what I mean. We'll break down each pillar. So conscience, I look at conscience as looking inward. Being able to being able to diligently and purposefully listen to that inner voice that gives you the insight that gives you the that gives you the notion of right or wrong good or bad good and evil i also look at the conscience as a radar detection system against contempt and indignation 
one thing I learned about Muhammad Gandhi and Martin Luther King is that their conscience is what compelled them to advocacy, to social advocacy, to fighting for freedom, justice, and equity, for developing a nonviolent uh, action plan, direct action plan that will create positive change through suffering by highlighting the ignorance, the bigotry, the racism of the oppressors. Like compassion, I look at compassion as a uh, sympathetic regard for others, for their suffering and their distress. And compassion to me, it goes two ways. It's internal and it's external. Compassion for yourself and compassion for others. It's very easy for us to beat ourselves up when things go wrong or when we miss a deadline or, or our expectations aren't met or we experience disappointment or rejection. We tend to be our worst critics and psychologists actually call that the self inner critic where you criticize yourself, sabotage yourself, and create self-negative talk. So compassion for yourself is being able to be mindful about that, about that voice. Being mindful about your imperfection. Being mindful that you are a work in progress and you're doing the best you can to make the most out of the life that you've been given. And when it comes to compassion for others, it's not just simply uh, saying that you feel bad for someone or you wish that didn't happen, but it's being able to communicate and exercise the action that shows that you are that individual or you're willing to be that individual's confidant, supporter, um, emotional supporter. Confidence, confidence to me is the certainty and self-assurance in one's ability. Uh, being able to believe in your character, 
discernment, your performance, skills, and your capabilities. Competence fuels our credibility. Confidence fuels our ability to overcome fear. Move through fear, move around it, to move through and around shame. To go outside of our comfort zone. And it also just propels us to be a better version of ourselves. Competence is a set of skills and knowledge uh, that contribute to your effectiveness and your efficiency, whether it's in your job, whether it's in your household, whether it's in parenting, whether it's in your extracurricular activity. Competence fuels you with the ability to be able to conduct the action that is relevant to the activity. Not flawlessly, because what we, what we know about ourselves and humanity is that nothing is perfect, nothing is flawless. We do it to the best of our ability with the knowledge, with the skills, and the abilities that we acquire. And then lastly, empathy. I look at empathy as twofold in a nutshell. It's perspective taking and journeying along with another person. And when I say perspective taking, I mean being able to recognize and understand, or might I say, try to under understand another person's point of view, their opinions, their judgments, their outlook on the world without scrutiny and without judgment. And then journeying with the person is the mental, the cognitive, and the psychological ability to place yourself next to that individual, to see what they see, to hear what they hear, to feel what they feel. to gain a deeper meaning about their life problems, their concerns, who they are and their frame of reference. And so the C4E model here is, is a framework 
that if it if it is employed or at least if it's consciously applied in your psyche in your spirit then it can definitely uh, provide you better connections in your relationships it can provide you a more improved way of leading of facilitating and collaborating it can give you the resilience and fortitude to stand up for what is right and advocate for those who are voiceless or voices who have been subdued, marginalized, disenfranchised. And it would keep you attuned with human nature. And lastly, it will strengthen your character strengthen your decision-making and judgment your logic and reasoning and all these other higher order cognitive abilities in all circumstances so in my personal life my conscience is the compass that gives me the direction and, and guides me to say what I mean, do what I feel is aligned with my thoughts, emotions, and values and convictions. to be an advocate for myself, to be an advocate for others, and to be more in touch with the injustices and inequities that have plagued this world. And so I do that by just being purposeful. Recently, uh, a year ago, I decided to submit for discharge from the Army under the conscientious objection process. And that was a major conscious move. The biggest conscious move I have ever made in my life. I have reached this part of my life through self-study, through research and analysis, through prayer and meditation, through deep, intense reflection, that in order to achieve cohesion, uh, reconciliatory grace, togetherness, 
that you can only fight chaos with peaceable solutions and strategies. And so me submitting for conscience's objection was the step that allowed me to finally put my conscience first. And so now day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, I continue to strengthen and fortify my conscience with, with positivity, with openness, with love, and with grace. Compassion, the major movement muscle for compassion in my daily life is through parenting. I became a parent at a very young age during a time where I was battling alcoholism, depression, combat stress, adverse childhood experiences. And at the time, I was in no shape of being a parent. And through these years of reconstructing what I thought I knew, what I used to believe, reconstructing the narratives that I was telling myself, and then and then you know, developing an, an identity that is uh, full with pride and self-determination and self-love and self-compassion, I begin to do small things each day to continue to put compassion at the forefront of my mind, body, and soul. With my children, they tend to, like most children, they, you know, the the melodrama is real, and the the notion that their feelings controls their mood, their attitude, and their conduct is a rampant thing that I try to not you know eliminate the idea but diffuse it and so when my daughter my son is angry is sad and in that process i'm frustrated i'm getting upset i always tell myself i always tell myself to Respond with love. Show that you care, show that you have concern. And what that looks like is me asking them to disclose and divulge what is going wrong in their mind, 
going wrong in their bodies. Sometimes it's relatable. Sometimes I resonate with it. Then there's just times where I communicate to them through my words and through my actions that what they feel and what they're going through is natural. Not to beat themselves up and then show them ways of channeling that energy in a positive way. You know, confidence is one of those things that and for me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stack these confidence and confidence. When I was my time in the military, the more I knew, the more I learned, the more techniques and methods that I acquired and refined to fit my to fit my style the more confident I became and it was because at the time my identity was my rank my achievements and accomplishments in the military the certifications that I acquired and so Nowadays, my confidence gets boosted every single day that I practice mindfulness. When I do practice compassion, when I do allow my conscience to navigate my judgments, decision makings, and rationale, because now my identity is My identity is, you know, semantics as a spiritual being, as a, as a, 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 a person who champions humility and humanity, who wants to be a, to be of service to a people are going through challenges, issues, problems, who have concerns. And to be a beacon of hope. That even though there's not always answers to life's, to the existential questions of this world, through development, through progression, through mindfulness, through touching the depths of your morality and humanity, you can make it make sense to some degree. And then empathy. I try to utilize empathy in every social interaction that I am involved in. And I do this, I do this by keen listening, intentional, deliberate, 
keen listening. And what I mean by keen listening is not listening to speak, but listening to learn and listening to comprehend not only what is being said, but also the unspoken and the nuances. I'm around my wife all the time and we have a lot of deep conversations. And what I like to do to exercise empathy and to show her that I'm walking hand to hand with her and her journey is that when the situation presents itself for me to speak, I like to orientate myself to her situation by asking, by clarifying if, if I'm understanding her correctly, by asking you know, some general and follow-up questions to make sure that her point of view and her frame of reference is reflective of my interpretation. And then once I get the thumbs up, the yes, that's what I'm talking about, that's when I'll comment appropriately. Not, not committing to anything that she says, not judging or scrutinizing anything she says, but simply being in that space with her. Whether it's an issue with some of the customers that she provides customer satisfaction uh, for, in the she, she works in the the fashion small business fashion industry you know there's times where there's there's some frustrations there's some grievances where there she's having issues trying to conceptualize her business model for her own brand or just whether it's 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 simply just a conversation we're having between mother and father husband and wife about our intentions, about our plans, about our fears and our struggles and our challenges. Being able to hold that person's hand and walk with them stride for stride, hearing what they hear, seeing what they see, feeling what they feel. brings you closer to that individual's interpersonal dynamics. Now, I'm so ecstatic and I'm so honored that you all have shared this space with me today. And I'm so honored to be able to 
share my experiences, share my stories, share what I've, I've learned and acquired in this safe, secure space. Um, I just want to, to send a reminder to all of you who are listening. The answer to the essential question of the day is C4E. Conscience, compassion, confidence, competence, and empathy. I want to leave you all with the quote of the day. So you may ponder on this and reflect on this and allow this to nourish your spirit and your soul in your in your pursuits of your everyday grind. True morality consists not in following the beaten track, but in finding the true path for ourselves and fearlessly following it. Mahatma Gandhi. Thank you for not being afraid and not being scared of being imperfect with me. Thank you for being here and for trusting this space. And I'm grateful that you and I were our most emotional and vulnerable selves. Remember, follow the podcast on IG at semantically underscore imperfect. Submit a review. Check those five stars on Apple Podcasts. Send your essential question of the day you would like for me to address. Send any general feedback and inquiries to the email. Poetic semantics seven at gmail.com. I am Semantic7. This has been a pleasurable experience. And I'll see you on the next episode.